You're listening to an Artache podcast. The Pope, Princess Diana, Gianni Versace, they've all done it. Even Caravaggio. Since the beginning of time, it has brought us together in ways sometimes unexplainable, yet undeniably connective. You know what I'm talking about. The art of humour. Laughter. Time and time again, in fact, for the last 20 years, Shrigley has invigorated the atmosphere of mausoleums, commuter trains, and social media with his ubiquitous satirical combination of drawing and text. How does he maintain such visual fluidity in the art of humour? What inspires him? If laughter is the cure, then surely Shrigley is a drug. And if Shrigley is the drug, then what are his main ingredients? I'm here today with artist David Trigley to find out what the man behind the laugh is really like. I've got a studio in my basement where I work and then I rent an apartment next door where my assistant works and then I've got a workshop on the end of the street so it's sort of working quite well at the moment but that's subject to change. I start at 10am my assistant comes in, we have coffee, and we talk about what we're going to do during the day, and I do stuff, and she does stuff. We have lunch about one, we have tea, I have my nap about half past two, and nap for about 15 minutes. Oh, well, I, you know, I let nature take its course, and it seems to be about 15 minutes. But three, yeah, about three o'clock we have tea. And then six o'clock, my assistant goes home. And then six o'clock, she goes home. And then I have my dinner. And then sometimes, if my wife's around, I do think I watch TV with her or walk the dog or something. If she's not around, then I work some more until about 10 o'clock. And then at 10 o'clock, I watch TV for an hour. And then I go to bed. And then the cycle starts again the next day. When I made the work for this show, I I think there are maybe 50-something works in this show. And I think I ordered maybe 200 sheets of paper. And I filled up, well, of the colour works anyway, filled up 200 sheets of paper and then I figure that if you do 200, then at least 50 are going to be good, right? And that's how it works. Making the work's quite a therapeutic activity. And I think it's quite healthy to make art for everybody, not just for me. I think that making work in the way that I do, that it's quite intuitive. But then again, there's kind of a process that I follow into in order to make that intuition work. Uh, yeah, I, in terms of mindfulness in general, I'm really aware that the way the way that one goes about making the work is quite lends itself to thinking about how your brain works and how you are, um, where the where the creative moment is, just in terms of in the day and how you get there emotionally. But I don't know. I don't. It's not. Um, you know, I make art because I like making art, and I've always made it. But you just when you do something all the time. And you become kind of a the go-to guy for doing that kind of thing. And after after twenty odd years of doing it, you start to realise certain things, certain patterns emerge, shall we say? So you imagine that I might like over here, 
the conversations of deeply eccentric people and make a note of them. And that would inspire me. Um, but that's probably not the case. I mean, I'm probably inspired by not doing things rather than actually doing things in that I'm inspired by um, not going to bed late and I'm inspired by not drinking too much coffee and I'm inspired by trying not to get too stressed about things. Um, but in terms of inspiration, I, I read a lot. I like reading. Reading's probably the biggest, uh, the most valuable thing that I do. Um, but I, yeah, I kind of, I've, I'm a bit of a snobby reader. Like I'm not, I've got no time for bad prose. I just can't read it if it's not very well written. I write, I write poetry when I'm on long haul flights. So that's long form in a way. Long haul, uh, yeah. I write, yeah. Oddly, I do. I travel quite a lot, and I do write when I'm travelling. But seemingly, when I'm at home, static in my in my room where I work, somehow it's quite hard to write things. So somehow I'm like a, yeah. I'm reminded of my uh, my former assistant in Glasgow before I left Glasgow, Tom and his wife. Denise, they had a child, a little girl called Olive. And apparently, I don't know if it's still the case, but Olive would only eat when she was in motion. So in order to feed her, they had to push her around in a in her buggy, or drive her around in a car. <laughs> and I said, I said, wow, that's that's a difficult situation. Um, wonder what you can do to change that. But you know, your child, your parenting, whatever. But I'm a bit the same with writing, where I can seemingly only write anything when I'm in motion. So I find, for example, that a long-haul flight from London to Auckland, I got a lot done. wrote a lot. I wrote a lot more than I would normally write. So I don't know. I don't know how I replicate that situation. You can't be on long-haul flights all the time. Maybe it's the lack of triggers. Maybe. I think it's being captive. Because when when you're on a plane, particularly, you're really captive. And you can't move, you can't go anywhere. The only thing you can do is get up to go to the loo. Um, and you just sit there. And it's either that or Will Ferrell movies. <laughs> so I choose to write. Heartache. In the music video you did for Blur ages ago, Good Song, the Pixie Man is a dead ringer for Tom York. Was that intentional? No. <laughs> Next question. Don't worry, I've got I to have you never, I've never, <laughs> yeah, never, never, never ever said that before, and it was it has been around for a long time. You need to look at it again now. I will, it's yeah. Totally well, brilliant. I can picture him. I obviously I looked at him a lot in back in two thousand three or whenever it was that I made that video, but no. What do you think of the term fine art meme artist? I, uh, it's interesting sometimes when you get interviewed, and people throw statements at you like that, like they uh, terms to describe you and your art. Um, one of the more memorable ones was uh, Dude Ranch Zen. Apparently that, that is that, uh, an interviewer described what I was up to as Dude Ranch Zen. <laughs> ranch? That's the bit I don't A dude do. ranch. That's you know what a dude, dude ranch? ranch. Well, there's cowboys and there's dudes, isn't there? 
So a dude rat. So a dude, dude is somebody who lives on okay. lives on a ranch who isn't a cowboy. Oh right. How did you feel about that? Probably just the, the same, same as, as when you just said fine art meme artist. What about satirical wellness artist? Right. That, that that I can identify more because it touches upon uh, subject matter that I am more comfortable with, unlike social media, which is just feel like I'm handling a machine, but I don't really know how it works. In Philadelphia, there's a park called Shrigley Park. Is there? My You've question, seen somebody would have told me I've been me doing that. my research. Really? Gosh. <laughs> Were you aware of this? No. No. You should go visit next time. You're in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. I, I've been to Philadelphia to, to teach at the art school, as I recall. Oh. But they didn't tell me that there was a Shrigley well, Park. You'd assume that they would say... That would be top. Maybe they assumed that I knew. Well, now you do know. Well... There should at least be some sort of artwork from you there, even if it's graffiti. Let me tell you something else. There's a Shrigley, uh, there's a Shrigley Hall, like a stately home. And it's near to... Is that oddly? It's near to... The, where I was born, in uh, in Macclesfield in Cheshire, although that I was born, my parents only lived there for a couple of years, and they're all from further south in England. But there it is. You know all this anyway, on account of the internet. Oh, me and just quickly. No, I just was like, I need to quickly check if there's a shitty park. Okay, and I was like, oh, there's a hall. Mm. So that's how I know about that. Yeah, it's a like conference venue now. Yeah. Well, you know. I should go and stay there. That, that do some inspiring. wellness activities. Yeah, we could do a wellness conference there <laughs> yeah. and get everyone to draw. Yeah. Oh. Okay, so what was the last artwork you saw that blew your mind? Oof. Um, the last artwork that I saw, it didn't really blow my mind, but I was really intrigued by it. I saw a show in London just before Christmas, which was by Pierre Huyg, who I believe is a... French artist, Belgian artist, not sure. Western European artist, anyway. Um, he made this set of films at the Serpentine Gallery, which were purported to be, I'm sure they were, um, to, he made a list of statements to a subject, and that subject's brain waves were measured or interpreted in some way by a supercomputer uh, with an image, with access to an image bank presumably on the internet, I don't know. And it created these films, which were a representation of um, that person's brain waves who had been communicating with the artist. And they were really, really strange. That uh, is mind-blowing. Yeah, that was... It, uh, I, yeah, I don't know if it's good art. There was a lot more elements to the exhibition, but it was really... It's a really strange exhibition. But really interesting. We've spoken about books, but who would be your influences artist-wise? Um, when I was younger, I really liked René Magritte. And then as I got older and I learned how to draw, I didn't like René Magritte anymore. And then as I got... And then when I got older still and went to art school, I realised that it didn't really matter whether you can draw or not. And I liked René Magritte again. And I still do. Um, in terms of painters, probably my favourite painter is Philip Guston. But I also like 
um, Marcel Duchamp, obviously, and Dada, that kind of thing. I guess Dada has been the most, uh, in terms of a epoch within the art world, was the most influential upon me and remains so. Do you, I thought you may like Edward Gorey's work just because of the small, quick snippet of storytelling. Is that, is yeah, it? I mean, I, I really think his work's really charming as a storyteller. And it's really beautiful. Do you have any message for the millennials? Well, I feel some sympathy with the millennials, that's for sure. I feel that my... Uh, 20s, for example, were probably easier than theirs is now, in the UK anyway, because there, were more, there was more provision for me to do what I wanted to do. Um, but I would say, work hard and be nice to people. I suppose that's the mantra for everybody really, isn't it? And don't give up. That's very sage advice. Have you got any tattoos? No. How political do you go with your work? Are there any no-go rules you have created for yourself? Uh, do you mean in terms of political content? or Co- in terms Political of commentary, I suppose, like commenting on Brexit. Or, you know. I think, yeah. I think it's very difficult not to be affected by Brexit since it is the most extraordinary political mistake my lifetime <laughs> that we're all suffering as are going to suffer deeply as a result of it's extraordinary um, uh, for the benefit of knaves at the cost of fools as far as I'm concerned what's your favorite medium to use um well probably pen and ink I guess are easiest to use that I you get to cover the ground the most the, the, the most quickly but I think it's always good to work in different media all the time if you can uh, because it's you get bored variety is good and do you personally do positive affirmations positive affirmations look in the mirror and say you're not such a bad person you good looking guy (laughs) no (laughs) I don't do that I do things like god you need to lose some weight or we all do that. Yeah. Well, maybe you should have your hair cut <laughs> or have a shave or even just wash. <laughs> I'm glad you washed today. I washed today, especially for you. Oh. Well, I did. I do wash every day. I don't. <laughs> I only wash if I have a meeting, but I have washed today. That's good. Thank Mutual respect, should. isn't it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Deodorant, washing. Yeah. The basics. I okay. washed my clothes today. Really? Yes, I have a washing machine at the apartment where I'm staying. Where, oh, yeah. And I wash my clothes. Uh, I, this is this is actually not washed, but I don't have time. <laughs> but I had to weigh up, you know, the pros and cons. Yeah, <laughs> difficult, isn't it? I, uh, I have a lot of I have a lot of um, shirts like this, which are made of cotton, and they're quite high quality. You need to put them in one of those little laundry bags to put them in the washing machine, otherwise they stretch. Oh, really? Yeah. That's a good tip. Sometimes the washing powder gets bound up inside them and then you've got a residue. <laughs> but it was a sweater, actually, that got the residue on it. I'll see. 
Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like the toxic residue. Well, those are my questions. Good. I'll be making that into a little pre-record. Well done. If there's anything else you'd like to discuss, I mean, there's lots of things we can discuss, but I'm happy with that. I want to keep it Not Brexit, please. No, I'm, I so didn't mean to go down that road at all. Yeah, for the record, fuck Brexit. <laughs>